Hello, and welcome to the Feminine Genius Podcast. This is a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. No matter who we are, each of us are called to share the good news of Jesus with others. Kara Dixon, who is a news reporter from Virginia, aims to do that in her work as well as through her service in the church. You may see her on TV breaking news or out in the community talking to folks, but you'll also see her serving the poor and teaching religious education to others, all in an effort to bring the love of Christ wherever she goes. In this episode, Kara and I talk about how she got into news the importance of serving others through the church, and what the Black Catholic community has taught her about hospitality and welcoming others. Hi, Kara. Hey. (laughs) How are you? I'm doing good. What am I like? (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me on the Feminine Genius Podcast. And I think maybe just as we get going, would you be able to share a little bit of who you are and what you do right now with our listeners? Yeah. So my name is Karen Dixon, and I am a TV reporter in Hampton Roads, Virginia, which is like the Virginia Beach area. I'm a Black Catholic. And I'm just using my job as a TV reporter to try to spread good news that's going on in the world. So yeah, that's a little bit about what I do. (laughs) I love how you said that as a TV reporter, you're in the business of sharing news and breaking news and all that kind of stuff. But I love that extra play on words. As a Catholic, you're bringing about good news and being that light to other people. So thank you for what you do and for representing. I was wondering if you could share with us a little bit of your faith journey. How did you come to be who you are today? Yeah, I like to describe myself as having kind of the best of both worlds when it comes to like being a cradle Catholic and then also, I guess technically like being a, a convert to the faith. What's the word people that use is like a revert? Is that like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that's kind of like what I describe my faith journey as. So my parents are Catholic. My dad, born and raised Catholic. My mom, I'm pretty sure she was Pentecostal growing up but like converted to then she married my dad so I grew up as a kid going to church like on Sundays got communion then went to third grade was in like the religious ed classes and ended up I stopped going to that because I was taking ballet at the time and we had classes on Saturdays when you know we had our religious ed classes so I kind of stopped going to classes wasn't confirmed until I got to college but you know between that time we would still go to church every now and then go on Sundays take off during the summer, which my parents were teachers. So I guess that was like considered their break away from like everything. I really kind of found, you know, my way or like my relationship with God starting to grow when my mom got diagnosed with cancer when I was in seventh grade. Mm. So I really, you know, started really praying then just like, dear God, you know, please watch over my mom, stuff like that. So that was kind of like the beginning of really my prayer life. Went to high school, graduated from high school, went to the University of Maryland. And it was, I want to say my first time 
in two years when I was a sophomore that I ended up going to Easter. The first time I went to church in like two years. Mm-hmm. When I was there, I kind of felt this kind of call that was like, you know what, maybe you should get confirmed. So I kind of had this in the back of my mind. Started junior year, some crazy things happened, the beginning of the year. And I woke up the next morning and I was just like, I need to get my life together. I remember that I lived like right down the street from the Catholic Student Center. Could walk out of my dorm room and look and like it, it was right there. So I went, they had seven o'clock mass, which was awesome because I'm not a morning person. I was a night person. (laughs) And I went and I remember sitting there and the priest at the time, his name's Father Rob Walsh, he was there and he was talking about RCIA classes. And I was like, you know, I'm really going to do that. And he he was like, well, we're going to have classes on Tuesday. If any of you guys are interested, come talk to me at the back of the chapel at the mass. So I went up to him and I was like, hey, you know. I'm kind of interested in, in coming in class. Like what time for the classes again? He's like, oh, six o'clock Tuesday. I'll see you there. And I'm thinking like, I didn't say I was going to you know, actually show up, but okay, you know, whatever. Thought about it for two more days. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. I was so scared to go. Like I've always been like a scared person as a kid. So I was like, I was super scared to go because I didn't know anyone. I went to the classes and I remember I walked in and he was like standing in the hall. He's like, awesome Star Wars shirt. Cause I was wearing like a Star Wars shirt. So I was like, oh, okay. Like we can kind of bond on Star Wars. So like went to the class. And I just somehow like ended up staying there, even though I didn't like really talk to anyone at the beginning of the classes and everything, but just ended up staying and was learning more about the faith. And it was like, everything just like started to make sense, you know, with religion and life and all that. So yeah, there was that. And then I remember like I had missed mass for some reason. I can't remember, you know, why I missed it, but I had told father Rob that I was like, oh yeah, like I couldn't go to mass the other day. And he's like, well, you got to go to confession now. And I'm like, what? Like I was scared to go to confession he was like, it's okay. Like, I know you haven't been in like 20 years, but like, just come in here and name the sins in general. And like, I'll forgive you for them. So I remember I went to that. And after I left confession and I was just talking to him, I, and I'm pretty sure I was crying during it, but I remember being there and it was like a burden was lifted off mm. of my shoulders with going to confession. And really also that point, like I, I really had struggled with like anxiety and worrying and everything. And it was just like, I had something now that I was able to really let go of my fears and everything that I was like carrying with me. So that was in December. I remember that. And then fast forward to Easter, I was like super happy and excited to come to church, started getting more involved with the church. And then that was my junior year. Fast forward to my senior year. I was an extraordinary Eucharistic minister. (laughs) So I helped with that. And that, you know, really helped me stay on track with my faith life and everything. That senior year was really just about me like letting go of my fears and my worries and everything. So by the end of my senior year, I was looking for jobs and, you know, like (laughs) most seniors are, you're stressed out about getting a job and everything. And I remember that I was just like, I have to apply and let my fears and worries go. So the last two months of senior year, I really did that. And it's just like applying to places. And I was just like, God, like leave me where you need me to go. Like I'll go where you need me to go. And I ended up getting a job in Beaumont, Texas, which was like a two day drive. And it was really helpful for me to be able to, you know, at the time I was like, I'm trusting you. Like I got this job, you know, everything like that. I was just, I was stressed out. You know, my parents are stressed out, but I really had to have faith in that moment to move halfway across the country. And it really did work out because Beaumont is an hour Northeast of Houston, but it's its own diocese. And so when I was there, I was in like this Catholic community. I worked the night shift. So I was able to go to like daily mass every day, go to confession every day. I joined like the choir and everything. 
And being there, it was just about starting this journey with God and getting to know him and all that. It was fun. It was a learning experience for me because it was the first time I was away from home. And so I learned a lot there and I had a lot of fun. And then after I was there for two years, I moved back here to Virginia. I'm from originally from Virginia, moved back to Norfolk. And I was able to find a parish that it's a place where I've been able to grow into myself as a woman. My parish is like the only black Catholic basilica in the country. And so Mm -hmm. being at my church, I've just realized this sense of community. And it's really like what being Catholic is all about with like social teaching and volunteer work. We work a lot with the homeless and we work a lot with our churches in a public housing community. And so we do a lot like feeding people and paying people's bills and just, you know, being there really for the community. So, you know, when I was in Texas, it was just like about this journey, getting to know God and establishing that relationship. And now it's more doing like the works of the church, I feel like. So that's kind of like where I'm at right now, which is like <laughs> getting to, to know God and Jesus more. And also Mary, I've been, I just finished the 54 day rosary novena a couple of weeks ago. So I did that. And it's just kind of right now listening to what I feel like God is telling me to do with my future. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's been interesting So there'll there'll probably be a lot of changes in the future with me, like career-wise, you know, just, yeah, it's been a lot. And it's been crazy just to see how I've grown as a person or how I've changed as a person with before when I wasn't really praying and everything, I was, I was stressed and I had like a lot of worries about the world, especially the world we live in with terrorism and the internet and all like the crazy things that are happening with like the pandemic and all that that's stressful for a lot of people, but, you know, having a faith life has made me realize that, you know, we're not really in control of things that go on, but it's there, you know, God's there for us and he loves us and we can get through a lot of things. So that's really what it is for me. (laughs) Yeah. Our stories are constantly changing and they're always ongoing until the moment that we pass on and we get to meet him face to face. We get to look back and see everything that has happened. But I mean, thank you for sharing all that. I love being able to listen in on just a glimpse of women's stories and how they've been able to journey with God. And, you know, I'm thankful that he's led you to where you are. And I trust that he's going to continue leading you as you grow in that docility. But I would love to know a little bit more, like you were mentioning how the church that you're at right now is the only Black Catholic Basilica. I was wondering if you'd share what that means. Yeah. Yeah. So I probably should have said it's a minor basilica. I sure. love that out. But so <laughs> it's a basilica of St. Mary of the Immaculate Conception. It's very long. We just call it St. Mary's. <laughs> but it's actually, it's a really interesting place because I, I don't want to get this wrong, but I think it it's, might be the oldest like parish in the diocese or like the land where it was, was the oldest parish in the diocese. It was there since like the 1700s. And wow. it's just like really fascinating hearing about it because like back in the 1800s, they had interracial masses and everything, and they were doing things that were against the law at the time. And it was actually burned down by like a hate group back then. And the only thing that survived was like the crucifix of Jesus, which is still there now. And so then they rebuilt it. The Josephite priest came down here and they like set up schools for like black kids and the black church and everything. So then like we had, so like St. Mary's was like, on this side and like further down the street, they had like the black church, black Catholic church. They ended up closing that down. And then all of the, like the black parishioners went to St. Mary's in like the 1960s and they had like a school and everything. So yeah. So they like, it's like a majority black church right now. So, I mean, it's pretty cool. It just has like a lot of history of just being in the community and and providing not only like 
food, but like spiritual food for people. And we have like a really good choir. (laughs) I always hear all the time from people who aren't even, you know, black that come here and they're just like, you guys are so welcoming. And Mm -hmm. I feel welcomed coming into your church. And I feel like all Catholic churches should be like that. But, you know, being Black Catholic in America, you know, I, I have been in churches where I don't really feel welcome. But, you know, it's beautiful to me to have people who aren't Black that come in there and feel so welcomed and everything. And it's really how, you know, the Catholic Church really should be, you know, loving and, and doing like a bunch of wonderful things for the community. So I'm proud of it. <laughs> I have like 8,000 church grandmothers, but. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. And I mean, like you said, too, it's because of the fact that our church is so diverse. More and more, it really should be a welcoming place, like a place of refuge. And, you know, you were describing earlier how the community that you're in does a lot to feed the homeless or support different folks that are around. And, And I think that that's so important for any type of faith community. So that's really special. Yeah. So I really got involved with volunteer work, joining that the church. So help me through some rough patches, but it's really showed me how important it is to also be the body of Christ for other people, like being his hands and and feet in the world and just being involved. Because I think a lot of times, at least for me, when I was younger and just starting out my faith journey, I would, you know, I would just like really pray. Like I wasn't really active or involved. Being here has shown me how important it is to also be involved with people and be active member of the community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it helps us to really see outside of ourselves because of course prayer is important, but then to use your words to be those hands and feet for God and to go out to places that maybe other people aren't going to. To jump back a bit, were you in school for journalism and to do reporting? Yeah, so I played sports in middle school and high school. And so at the time I wanted to go to like sports reporting, Mm. but... I got to Maryland and I, I went to Maryland because my uncle who he passed away uh, last year, he also went to Maryland, but he was like, you know, if you're really into journalism, you might want to look at Maryland. And when I was growing up, I kind of knew that I wanted to go to Maryland, but my dad was always like, you're not going to go there because it's like right next to DC. So my parents were like, I don't think it's safe to go there, but my uncle literally lived down the street from there. So I was always like, cool. Uncle David lives five minutes down the street. Like I can see where he lives. So they kind of like, let me go there for that. So I, I specifically went to Maryland to go to the journalism school was there and I kind of fell in love with regular news in general because I could do more stories than just sports. So yeah, it was fun. And then we were like right next to the Capitol. So we could go into DC and do stories like that. So I know that I was on Capitol Hill back when the shutdown ended in 2013. And so I was like reporting and then Anderson Cooper was like on the other side of a tree doing like his show. And I'm like, this is awesome, you know. <laughs> hey, Anderson Cooper. Hey. Well, like like rubbing shoulders with the, yeah. like, you know, the famous, no big deal. Yeah, it was fun. So that excitement kind of pushed me into being excited about a, a career in journalism. So, but it's hard. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, but I like it. Yeah. yeah. Have you always been interested in journalism and storytelling? Well, it's funny because, like, when you look back on your life, you can see how you got to that point. So when I was a kid, I really loved history. My favorite museum was the museum, which was in D.C. It actually closed beginning of the year, like at the end of last year. And I loved going there and I just like would see like the headlines and they had the Berlin Wall. And I really loved reading about history. And I was also really into like movies and movie making like as a kid. 
So looking back, I'm just like, oh, that's why TV news makes sense because I love history. I love documenting history and I love video. So mm-hmm. I'm like, of course I like that. And I was also the kid that would read the newspaper every day before like middle and high school. So it, it makes sense. So. <laughs> and then like also my high school, we, we started a, like a news program, my senior, yeah, my senior year. So I, I helped with that. So I can see it now. Back then I've been like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. But looking back, I'm like, you should have known. <laughs> the Lord puts all of these different experiences. And I think that's the funniest thing, too, is that they can come off as so random. And you're kind of like, yeah, what am I going to do with all this? But he finds a way to really corral the things together. And suddenly you're like, oh, yeah, it's like this tangible thing that makes sense now. How could I not see it? Now I do. Yeah, so that's yeah. kind of how I got into it. In terms of what you're doing now to date, I would say, because I know that there's a whole career ahead of you, but in terms of things that you've done to date, like what have been some of the most memorable or standout stories that you've been able to do? The ones that I do remember the most, I did a story back when I was in Texas and it was about this young woman. I think we were around the same age or she might've been like a couple years younger than me. She actually had terminal cancer and the place where she was like on hospice, they set up a wedding for her, like oh, wow. to marry to her boyfriend. So they set up in like a week and like she got married and I interviewed her and she was just like, I'm just so happy. Like I could marry him because that was my dream. She had a kid with a guy. It was like a great story. And then she ended up dying like two days later. It was sad, but like I interviewed her like right before that. And she knew she was dying, you know, she'd had cancer since she was like 10. And she's like, you know, I'm just happy that, you know, I could have this. And that's a story that's stuck out covered like tropical storms I remember just having sand everywhere like in my eye I would ruin my cell phones here so I've been out on one of the aircraft carriers the USS Abraham Lincoln and it it was like really fun because we had to get on this thing called a cod and I don't like flying like the first time I flew was in 2014 so we, they were giving us like the safety talk and the guy's like, oh, you'll be fine if you like roller coasters. I'm like, I hate roller coasters. He's like, uh, and like walked off, you know. And the way you land on the ship is it has like a, like a cord, a bungee cord that it stops it. <laughs> so they will like alert you before it's supposed to catch you. Like it's supposed to catch us. And I remember we went there like, oh, what's going down? We didn't get it the first time. And I just remember some girl from another station was there and she's like, we didn't get it. I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, points at the window. There's only one window on the plane that's like this big. There's no air conditioning. And I look and like you can see the ship. And I'm like, we're supposed to be on that right now. So then like we go again and it catches us and everyone's like flying in the air. It was crazy. And then like we we had been in the dark for like two hours and we get off the plane. And when we get onto the top of the ship, there's just like jets taking off everywhere. So everyone's mm-hmm. yelling at us. It, it was crazy we would get burned by the back end of like a jet because it was so hot. And I'm just like, my skin's melting. It was crazy. It was really fun though. But, like, <laughs> so that's one of my favorite experiences. So that was really fun. I saw Hamilton because of the job. They do this program called Eduham, which they bring in thousands of high school kids from around the area. And yeah. they get to perform and then they get to like watch Hamilton on their own in the audience. So that was fun. I got to see Hamilton with 2000 plus high school students. And wow. They were very, an energetic crowd. I've covered a lot. You want a job where you don't do the same thing every day, I'd recommend news. And I also like news because I'm able to be in the community and like go to school and like read the kids and everything. So that's kind of back with like the volunteer work and and all that. So what I do like about 
working in journalism or at least, you know, being in journalism at such a young age, like, you know, coming out of college, still being in my Mm -hmm. 20s, is that I've been able to meet people that I never would have probably talked to if I wasn't in news. I get to meet people from every walk of life. And it's really made me more empathetic to people because we all have our views about people. We all have our like opinions. Being a journalist, I'm able to actually see what people are really like. It's also made me appreciate life. There are a lot of times when I talk to families, you know, that have lost a loved one who's like my age or they died like tragically. And it's really, it's a reminder that, you know, life is fragile and you have to live your life and, you know, love people and let them know that you love them and also follow your dream. I mentioned earlier that I really did have a lot of anxiety, you know, before my faith journey and all that. And I think being in this has showed me that you really shouldn't be afraid to like take chances and live your life. And, you know, it's in the Bible. It's like, be not afraid. And that's like one of the things that like being in news has really shown me is like not be afraid and to really take advantage of every opportunity and love people and treat people with respect. So that really is the way that Jesus has lived is to treat everybody with respect. And that's exactly what he did in all of the gospels. No matter who he encountered, he always treated them with so much dignity and respect. And I love how you're able to pull that into the work that you do, because journalism and and reporting, you're constantly meeting new people and you always have to be ready to literally strike up conversation and get to know them and help them to really find their voice and tell their story. So that's super exciting. Yeah. You know, I talk to people on both sides of an issue sometimes. And I'm just like, if y'all would just talk to each other the way you guys talk to me, we probably wouldn't have these issues right now. But yeah, it's, it is what it is. For sure. I don't want to ignore the very difficult times that we find ourselves in right now in terms of racialized identity. And for yourself as a Black Catholic, as a, a Black reporter, seeing the ways in which these types of stories having to do with like, for example, George Floyd and and all these types of things that are happening. How have you seen your position as a reporter, as someone who does journalism, who tells stories, who's seeking to share the truth with folks? You know, going back to one of the reasons why I kind of did also get into news was because I wanted to break down stereotypes. There are people that have never, you know, met Black people besides, you know, what they see on TV. I want to tell people stories that other people might not know unless they see on TV. And, you know, I, I also do get a lot when I've been out in public is like little black children coming up to me, like we see you on TV, like being a role model. I think there are also like a lot of other people, people of color who take it seriously, you know, what they do, the news and telling different stories. And, you know, I've I've been trying to tell diverse stories, you know, since I have been in news, we have our black history month specials that we do at my station. I've been doing those for years and I like put a lot into it because I know, you know, this is my opportunity to teach people about black history that, you know, they might not have known about. And one of the other things I do that I learned at this conference I went to was, you know, it's important to show a diverse group of people when you're just doing regular stories in general. So, you know, if I go and talk to someone who's like, the water bills that the city government sending out. If I'm going to go talk to people on the street, you know, I want to get a diverse group of people to see, you know, that all people are affected, you know, stuff like that, like little stuff that sometimes, you know, people might not think about. Right now, it's good that we're, you know, having these conversations about race and diversity, but I mean, it shouldn't just stop when a couple of weeks when people might try to move on. And I love what you were saying, like just the fact that there are young girls who are coming up to you and, and just saying that, like, we see you. We see the role that you're playing and just the importance and the impact that that has. Like, how does that make you feel like whenever you encounter something like that? Well, it's usually on like when I'm having a bad week too. So it really helps. You know, it it does feel good. And I I think about, you know, the people that I 
saw on TV growing up and I would have said that to them. I try to react how they would and just being nice and, and being kind. We sign autographs with our pictures on them when we go to events and stuff. And we always have little kids come up to us and I always try to make sure I write like nice notes to them. And I tell them like, you can do whatever you want, stay in school or like, I like your hair, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, it might not seem like a lot to us that are saying it, but that's something that they might remember forever. So that's also why I do the reading in the classrooms as well, showing kids that they matter because kids are people too. And I think a lot of people don't realize that even though they were kids at some point, but you know, that's why I try to interact with kids and be involved. So. And that reminds me of Jesus. He always says, bring the little kids to me. And you know, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to be like a child and just have that childlike innocence and dependence on God. And I love that, that you're able to be so close and you're choosing to do that because I feel like so many times as we get older, we get so jaded and we just push aside things. It's like, you don't know what you're doing because you're a child. But just to recognize, like you say, that they're people too. And one day in the not so distant future, they're going to be part of our society, like just like living, breathing and active in our society. Yeah. I teach Sunday school too. And I'm just like, they do talk a lot, but (laughs) I get in trouble because I'm like the assistant. I'll like kind of hype them up. The teacher's like, you're not helping. But like the kids think it's funny. (laughs) Kara, to tie it all together. And I come back to what you led off with, which is being able to share the good news, whatever form that might take. And obviously the name of the podcast is inspired by John Paul II and the feminine genius I'd love to hear your reflections on how you've seen your own feminine genius grow and develop throughout your life so far. So I started hearing about like the feminine genius, I want to say in 20, what year is this? 20, in 2018. So I went to Given. Yeah. So I went to that last year and it was crazy because a couple years before that I was not like in a good place in life. Like I was just trying to like figure out who I was and it was just like, I didn't feel feminine enough. So like I played sports. And so I was like, kind of like a tomboy, but I also did ballet and all that. So I've done like a lot. So for me, it was just me trying to understand who I was as a woman, because we hear so much from like the world, what a woman is and and all this other stuff. And so, you know, these past couple of years, it's just me accepting like my feminine genius is just being Kara and just being like, who God made me to be. And so I've just, you know, taken these last few years of really getting to know myself and just going back and doing things that I did enjoy as a kid, you know, listening to classical music or like going to the movies by myself or like reading more and like stuff like that. I think some of us have probably also struggled with who people who don't have jobs within the church is like what we're doing. Are we as worthy as people who are called to be like missionaries or like other things, you know, and I, I've struggled with that too, just maybe I'm supposed to have a job within the church or be like that. So for me, it's just really been about accepting who I am as a person. And that's my feminine genius is being able to be the best that I could be and my crazy traits. And I've been a leader. And a lot of times people associate being a leader with a masculine type of trait. So I think for me, that's like been one of my issues. It's just like, I'm still a leader, like regardless of what people say with that. For me, it's just kind of now been like, seeing my role as a a woman leader. My feminine genius right now is just learning to be who I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because like the world tells us, you know, we're supposed to be different and everything. But like when you are, that's not okay. You know? So I'm just like, uh, what do y'all want? It's crazy. (laughs) So yeah. So it's just like learning to love myself the way that 
God sees me and working that out and not dimming my light for people. Because I think we all struggle with that, especially as women and, you know, being in a workplace and knowing when to speak up, knowing when to act or anything, or even just being, you know, young and in a workplace or at the church. So it's just working on, on not dimming my light and working on the qualities that God gave me. So. To touch on that point that you mentioned about how, like, as women, Catholic women, and thinking about how we can't all be working in the church, but I can totally relate to that idea that sometimes we feel like maybe we're not doing enough because we're not working in the church. So when it comes to pursuing a career and maybe realizing that maybe I'm not being called to work in full-time ministry and maybe I am called to pursue something outside of the church, whether it's journalism or working in higher education or in science or whatever it might be. What advice do you have for women who may listen to this and maybe they're being led away from working in the church and just being able to recognize that they're still just as important? You know, I would just say to trust God. I mean, you know, I've had so many opportunities open up for me in journalism that I know, you know, if God didn't want me to be here, you know, I wouldn't be here, you know. And I think it's just also just a journey for yourself to realize that you are so worthy and you are valuable. Like, like what would the world be like if all the Catholic people were not out in the community, just, you know, working within their own community and not being out there to share the gospel? Like, how can we, you know, evangelize and bring other people to the church if we're not out there in news or science or like the medical field or something, you know, like people see us out there, they see us doing good things. And I have friends, you know, who aren't Catholic, but they see me like volunteering and everything. And they're like, you're like one of the only religious people I know that is actually out there volunteering and everything. They're like, that's what people should be doing. And like people see what you're doing, you know, when you are living out your faith. And I think that's a good way to to bring people into the church. You can't just talk to the same people all the time. I think it's a way to grow the church. You're worthy and you matter. And God puts these dreams on your heart for a reason, I feel like. And I mean, at least for me, I at least have to try fulfilling the dreams that I know that are on my heart. And that's something I've come to understand lately is not dimming my light and just going for it. So I, you know, I don't want to get to the end of my life and be like, why did I not even try pursuing something that I know that I love? That's so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Kara. Like I really appreciate what you've shared and that word of encouragement. I know that for myself, I'm not someone who works in ministry and I work in the secular world. So I certainly appreciate it. And I know that listeners will as well. It's um, hard. We're going to say your world's hard. It is. But, Amen. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I found that people do respect you when you talk about your faith. So, I mean, I've never really had any disrespect from people really when I mentioned I'm Catholic or anything. And I've actually had like a lot of people at my job that are also Catholic and, you know, we'll talk about Catholic things or like you, they might not come to church a lot and I'll like invite them or something. And, you know, all they needed was an invitation. You never knew who you're talking to out in your, your workplace. Right. Um, make friends that way, bring them into the church that way. So Yeah, that's right. And if it weren't for you there, like if it weren't for you pursuing your dream, who knows yeah. what people might not have had that invitation. So that's so beautiful. Kara, thank you so much. And I was wondering, just as we close, would you be able to lead us in a closing prayer? Yeah, okay. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Dear Father, 
Thank you so much for this beautiful conversation that Rachel and I had today. We are so thankful that we are able to share the good news about you with all of our Catholic sisters and maybe Catholic brothers out there that are listening to her podcast. We pray that you give us courage and the persistence to follow our dreams and to rely on your love and to have your courage to not be afraid in our world and to bless everyone who is listening to this podcast. I'll say Hail Mary because that always works. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kara. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you again to Kara Dixon for joining me on the podcast today. You can follow Kara on social media to see what story she's breaking. And I've left links to her Twitter and Instagram in the episode description below. You can stay up to date with the Feminine Genius Podcast by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at FemGeniusPod. And you can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and many other platforms. And please be sure to leave us a review if you love what you're hearing. All of this information can be found on our website, FeminineGeniusPodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon, and God bless always.